for, for those Thanks, that don't Dara. know, Daz and Mia White. <laughs> In the sense that this is the first podcast, yeah, that makes sense. People are probably wondering who's that, um, you know, hunk that sounds like a, I don't know, wait. Um, so, so my name's Tom, and I grew up alongside Daz and Deepak in Belgium. Um, this this podcast idea has been in the running for quite some time. It's it's mainly been me badgering these two to to get on board. Then Dad saying, "Okay, let's do it," and then me pulling back and saying, "I oh, know I don't have time." Um, but yeah, I'm I'm 29 years old, living in the UK now, and uh, expecting first child. So we thought I probably don't have much time left to do a podcast, and uh, this is why we've kicked it off now. Do you want to as well tell the listeners maybe who you supported growing up? Where does it start, to be honest? <laughs> so that's a, that's, a, that's a little dig. That's a little dig. Okay, so I did actually have some lines, because I knew this would come up. Daz, Deepak, always take the, the, the Michael. Um, so I started out supporting Chelsea. What? I went to a couple of games at Stamford Bridge. That is news to me. That is news to and, me. And, I thought it was Zipswich. Okay, so started out. So I was about five, six, started supporting Chelsea. Uh, went to Stamford, Stamford Bridge a couple of games. My dad was a Chelsea supporter. He ended up taking me there. Um, and then, my, my, so not to get too deep in the podcast, but my dad moved on. Mum and dad got divorced. And so in, at that point, right, Chelsea was it. They were the enemy. Um, and so my, my auntie lived in Ipswich, went to a few Ipswich games, got a couple of shirts. And that, that must have been between the ages of about maybe seven through to 11, 12, <laughs> uh, possibly, possibly 13. I might have been too kind to myself. <laughs> and then, and then I, I had a... a a point, and I'm, I apologise to my cousin Jack, who actually became an Ipswich fan around the same time because I was quite a, an avid follower. And then I abandoned Ipswich at the age of about 13 and thought, you know what, I'm going to start following Spurs. That's who my mum supports. And I was like, enough's enough, Spurs. Um, and I haven't looked back since then. So it's been about 15, 16 years of um, pain. I, I, I think it was a brief Carabao stint. Cup of, in 2008. Wasn't there a brief stint of uh, Glasgow as well in there? Or Celtic. Oh, well, yeah, so, so uh, uh, Rangers. No, there no, Rangers. So I, was, I went to, to university in Glasgow. So. Um, I mean, they were, they were just uh, to one side. I was always going to pick, had to pick one of those two teams and uh, I, play, I picked Rangers. I don't, I don't really know why. Um, probably like a colour, to be honest. Yeah, I, I picked them at just, uh, yeah, well, I picked them and then a couple of years later, they ended up um, going into administration. So maybe I'm just not the, the best good luck charm. And would you say wow, this... this... Brutal, this brutal culling of loyalties is maybe the reason why <laughs> really you're now at nearly 30 years old and you really only have about two friends left, both of which are on this podcast. <laughs> <laughs> oh, goodness. Um, we're, we're getting quite deep here, aren't we? I was told this was going to be a time for Peter Crouch-esque uh, podcast Well, that, that's football. what initially was agreed. Um, but unfortunately, now it's, <laughs> it, it has gone a bit deep. I don't know, Deepak, if you want to try and pull it back for us. A bit more. Uh... I, I would actually like to add to, you know, to the deepness of this that uh, <laughs> we all three are living uh, far, far away from each other. And um, very, very far. Yeah, that's a good point. Yeah, so, so Deepak's in Germany, Daz is Australian, myself, I'm in, in, in England. Um, 
so we, we can only record in mornings now, can't we? Because Australia is that far ahead in terms of time difference. We really have to um, accommodate our friend here. It's what you do for that's, love. That's yeah, how good we are. That's I mean, the good, good we are friends. <laughs> but the, the good news is, it does mean we're coming from different perspectives. As in, um, you know, obviously Deepak's an expert in German football, myself in Absolutely. English football, and Daz in the Australian yeah. football. <laughs> so you know, we're, we're all coming with different bits of, of knowledge. Yep. Oh, <laughs> what about yourself, Daz? I'm going to pass the ball over to you. Do you want to introduce yourself? Uh, yeah. Uh, so in the same vein as Tom, um, I'm Dara, or Daz. Um, support Fulham um, on account of uh, they were the first professional team I saw uh, for my ninth birthday. My dad took me to London. And in true... Irish father style um, sought out the cheapest football tickets in London um, at the time of Fulham. <laughs> so I remember we went to Fulham, Nottingham Forest, which was a 1-1 draw. Um, and that was the season Fulham got promoted from the championship. So since then, it's been, uh, it's been an ongoing love affair. Um, unfortunately, I don't have the ruthless streak that Tom has, so I've stayed supporting Fulham throughout this time through thick and thin, mostly thin. Um, you know, there's been some highlights over the years, the uh, Europa League final um, in 2000, and I'm going to say 10, correct me if I'm wrong. Um, never knew real heartbreak until not the fact that we lost the final, but uh, the fact my father actually got tickets for the final, but I couldn't go because I had a law exam the next day. So my brother, who's a Liverpool Ooh. fan, went instead. Um, <laughs> so that was a shame. Uh, yeah, but now, as uh, as Tom mentioned, there I'll be adding the Australian perspective to things. Any any A League updates? You'll be the first to know. Any Tim Cahill updates or Harry Kuehl and Mark Viduka, which there are some Mark Viduka stories going doing the rounds now recently. It's been a slow news day. Um, more than happy to bring on the table. And last but not least, uh, Deepak. What do you got uh, before I get started, I think we should also add that uh, Dara is now the biggest lawyer in Australia, so that game he missed was absolutely worth it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh, for those that don't know, just on that point, that, that's isn't a lawyer. He's a failure. He's a failure. <laughs> oh, good. Uh, so my name is <laughs> As you know, remember the name. Um, I grew up in India, um, unlike the other two. My first game was actually with these two. Uh, we went for a Manchester United versus Sunderland um, yep. at Old Trafford. Yeah. Quite the game. We saw United being booed. We started chanting attack, attack, attack. It was quite the, quite the game to watch. But, um, yeah. In, in all fairness, just picking up on that point, I'm surprised Daz hasn't picked that as his match to, to, to review <laughs> because that was the worst match of football I've ever been to. Didn't we? We were sat in the Stretford, yeah, weren't we? Um, we and we had two people behind us that must have, for the full 90 minutes, been talking about everything, in t- in, including Coronation Street. <laughs> <laughs> oh, goodness. Yeah, that was a fun game, though. Quite the experience. Yeah, yeah. Um, Manchester United fan, obviously. And yeah, stuck with them ever since I could remember watching football. They've been my club ever since. Has that love affair waned in recent years? By any Absolutely chance? not. Absolutely no. not. Nope, nope. We're on the up. We're going to win the title in the next season or two. It's coming. Oh. 
So the, the, fir- the first 15 minutes of this podcast has essentially just painted me out to be the bad guy. Basically. Yeah, now we've got to define roles. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, okay. <laughs> um, but no, just, just on that United-Sunderland match, finished 2-0, didn't it? And I just remember us leaving the stadium and it absolutely, the heavens opening. Yep, it was we had to, was it, we were queuing for the yeah, tram yep, or something like yeah. that. Yeah, and we ended up just getting absolutely soaked. And then, didn't we have to go back? We, we went back to London that yeah, same night. Yeah, we were night, standing on the we? train, on the train and it was absolutely <laughs> heaving. Yeah. And then we had, to, was it Chelsea fans or something like that? One fat English bloke that just kept on swearing. Yep. Oh, yeah, goodness me, stop. memories. Um, anyway, we digress. So on that point then, if, if we uh, segue into the, the next part of the podcast... What's your, as part of a way of an introduction, what's your first football memory? First football memory? You know, to be honest, I was thinking of this game. Um, Tom, I'm not sure if you remember, but this is the game we had a bet on with Ashin, where we had to shave our legs. <laughs> yeah, no, I do remember. Yeah, I do this, remember This that. was that game, the 3-0. Is that a spring fest? Um, yeah, we had to... Yeah, was yeah, it? We had to... Um, Sported for Spring so, Fest. So, what, what Spring Fest? Yeah, t- say, say what Spring Fest is for those that don't know. So, for those of you that do not know, Spring Fest was. And by the just Leanne listening to this. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, thanks, thanks for uh, listening. Thanks, Leanne. Oh, we really appreciate it. So, Spring Fest, what was Spring Fest? Spring Fest was the coming together of our school. We had music, food, and most importantly, a football tournament. It was an inter-class, yeah. inter-school tournament where we got to pick countries. Mm-hmm. Uh, we represented the teams, well, the countries, and yeah, it was something we looked forward to every year. It was, it was year. once a year, wasn't it? Yeah, yeah it, was, it, was, it was. It was decent, actually. It um, was, yeah. And, and each each year there was a footballing tournament that was linked to it. Um, and normally you'd you'd play by class, but but our year for whatever reason we had that many good footballers that we ended up separating into a, a couple of teams. Yeah. Um, yeah, and this and this is all links back into to Deepak's first memory. <laughs> it does. What about you guys? So what, did you, about, you, what about you? I'll, I'll chip in next. My my first memory of anything football related is um, probably I was five six years old. I was a, a young starter, not not very good at football, but anyway. And do, do you remember? So back in the day. So nowadays, obviously, everyone used to, you know plays with nice footballs. You could probably buy them from um, Sports Direct. Maybe beat that out if we get a, a sponsorship from JD or anything like that. But <laughs> you, you can buy you can buy nice footballs for about five six quid nowadays. Whereas back in the day, you couldn't do that. And so we ended up having one of those, um, you know, the foam balls. Oh yeah, yeah. yeah and yeah. and when when it rains, they ended up getting really Oof. heavy, really soggy. Yeah. Um, and so I, my my first um, memory of really playing football at any point was it must have been first year primary school something like that. So I was about five six years old. And the ball just wallops me. And for anyone that doesn't know me, I've got a fairly big nose. Um, and Massive. it just comes straight, smack bang, into my face, all soggy, and just leaves a huge mark. Um, and that, that, that was my, uh, my, my starting career in, in football. Hmm. But what, what about you, Daz? I mean, there's a lot to choose from. Um, Is there one? <laughs> Is there one? I think uh, maybe not the, the first memory I had that, but... Maybe give a shout out to to my brief and limited actual footballing career. Um, I think um, it's when we went on a, a preseason trip, and by we I mean in our third year of secondary school, we went to Portugal for a class trip. 
I don't think either of you boys were there. I think you were in uh, Santorini at this stage. Um, no, we, we went somewhere. We, we realised you were going to Portugal and we thought, shit, let's, get, let's go somewhere else. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I mean, yeah, you can argue that's the way it planned out. Um, <laughs> but, uh, yeah, the teachers at the time thought it would be a good idea to uh, bring what seemed to be just all the guys from the trip, excluding the girls, which, you know, it was 2004. Times were a bit sexist. Um bring him to a, what can only be described as a run-down Portuguese secondary school where they said we're going to play a friendly match against the local school. Um, what I didn't realise, and I don't think many others realised, is when we walked in there, it felt like the scene from Gladiator where he goes into the uh, <laughs> amphitheatre and the crowd are there chanting and baying for blood. Um, seemed to be, it was probably only about 20 kids, but it seemed about 1,000. We're all uh, basically chanting. Did, did the nerves get to you? You know what? If I'm honest, uh, I, I was shitting myself going in there. I don't think I was the only one. Um, <laughs> kind of, I started right back. Um, it was, uh, I, when I was stepping on the pitch, it was a kind of a concrete pitch, as it were. And, you know, I remember the crowd chanting names, not our name, just general names at us and, Basically, I, I thought it'd be like that Nike ad, you know, where they play Yoga Benito in the cages, Ronaldinho's mm-hmm. there, passing yeah. everyone. God, so Nike came out with some good old school adverts. Yeah, so like, yeah. you know, I envisaged a start like that, but after about 12 seconds, got nutmegged, everyone cheered, and then I went off as a sub. So that was pretty much the end <laughs> of their career there. Um, and I think the game was eventually abandoned, actually, after about half an hour due to uh, some rough tackles going in. And we were quickly... Um, by, by which side? By the Portuguese. By, side? by yourselves or the Portuguese? The, the Portuguese. Oh, okay, wow. okay. Um, so, you know... If it's... Do you, do you, uh, just just on, on that note, do you, do you remember that? Was it Portugal-Holland, the uh, European final about 10 years ago or so, where there, there were tackles going in from both sides? And Was it de Jong that ends up with a um, more or less scissor kick on, oh, yeah. on one, one of the Wasn't Portuguese? That, no, right was, in the middle that, of the chest there. That, that was Spain. Remember he did that to y- Was Yabby it Spain? Alonso. Ah, it was it was the final, yeah, wasn't it? Over the South Africa World Cup again. Maybe maybe edit out. Maybe edit yeah, maybe definitely out. edit out that part. <laughs> <laughs> oh, yeah, that's goodness. that's, that's okay, my first so, memory. Yeah, that's or interesting. Prominent memory. Okay. Uh, look at so latest developments in football kind of set the scene we are 19th of April at the moment so football has been or football as we know it has been off the air for what going on six weeks now is it um, yeah. yeah I think about five five-ish weeks and four like major that. leagues in the world have been suspended um, the Australian the German the English uh, not the Belarusian league though so that's still going I think to really set ourselves apart, I think if uh, if Tom, if you, if you want to give us a bit of an update on what's happening in Scottish football and the absolute batshit craziness uh, that has been going on with votes. Yeah, yeah, it's interesting. I picked up a couple of stories actually over the past week. One's linked to Scottish football, so the Scottish Premiership, but also the divisions below. And then the other one's linked to La Liga. Um, and I'll, I'll kick off with, with the Scottish football one because I think that's the one that's possibly... Um, just, just the, the most shocking. Um, so, so th- there was a vote last week, which essentially intended to to end the leagues as as they um, 
was, you know, as, as, and they needed an, a certain percentage of, of clubs that needed to vote in favour for that. And so what happened was that the leagues, uh, that what would happen was that the leagues below the Scottish Premiership would end and then the Scottish Premiership would end in the longer term, but not immediately because UEFA's obviously come out and said, we don't want any season ending till we, we give the green light. So a date last week was set in which whereby every club had to come back with their response as to whether they wanted the, the league ended or not. And every, every single team responded um, apart from Dundee. Uh, Dundee didn't hit the, the deadline, which supposedly they kept, they then came out that there wasn't a set deadline. It was just one that was requested. But um, it, it, it meant that all, I think there's 42 teams, something like that in, in the Scottish um, pyramid. All 42 teams were, had, had their um, future, you know, not, not to be overly dramatic, but, you know, obviously who's relegated, who's staying up, things like that, uh, quite, quite expensive uh, decisions. But all, all 42 teams were riding on this decision that Dundee would then have to take. And they have taken it and, and it's led to um, a, a vote to say the season is, is ending. And Celtic, once, once they can come out and say that the Scottish Premiership is ending, will be promoted and then Hearts will be relegated. Now, the, the interesting thing now is that there's been huge backlash. Uh, Rangers have come out and said they want an independent inquiry into this. There's stories going around about Dundee possibly getting backhanders. Um, and so I don't know how it's going to play out, but it does show just what a mess COVID-19 has, has, has led to. Um, and yeah, I, I think they're now they're exploring options around Hearts not being relegated and those teams that were in the promotion spots in the Scottish Championship popping up and then playing the season with, with extra teams. Um, but that, that, that's, that was one, that's Scotland. Then the other one that I just wanted to, to raise, and this one I think in, in a way... Not, not as mental, but the, the outcome of the decision will be just as, as crazy. And that's La Liga coming out and saying that if, if the season were to end and they haven't taken a decision where, where it would, but they're saying that the Champions League spots, of which they have four, would go to those four teams that are currently in there. And the crazy bit about this is that Real Sociedad, who are fourth, are on the same number of points as Getafe, who are fifth. They have the same goal difference... And Real Sociedad would get that Champions League spot for goals scored. So more goals scored over Hitafe. And to make it worse, Hitafe, I think, has a better head-to-head record with Real Sociedad in the season. So I, I don't know. Atletico, incidentally, are, are sixth. And they're one point behind fourth place. So, I mean, the, the main thing is that COVID-19 is just going to lead to a huge number of issues. But on a positive note, if that happens, always nice to see Adnan Yanazai back in the Champions League. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> indeed, indeed. Um, how would you have decided it? <laughs> <laughs> Million dollar question. I mean, so I, I'm I'm basing this off of my my stance on the Premier League. Um, so I, I think so. The BBC recently did a poll in which they looked at the five or six different outcomes um, of of the Premiership, and the one that got the most votes was scrapping the season altogether, null and void. Now, the issue with that is, and, and the reason why the Premier League isn't, isn't inclined to go down that route, is the huge amount of money that they then have to reimburse to the broadcasters um, because they won't finish the season. Now, from a Spurs fan perspective, null and void sounds bloody amazing because we end up keeping Champions League football. Uh, what, what I think will happen is maybe different. I, I probably think that because the Premier League is, 
is a cash cow and they're milking it for all they can. I think we'll end up finish it, finishing it in July, August time, uh, behind closed doors, and then starting the next season um, a little bit later. There's, there's, let's be honest, there's no way Aston Villa are going to get relegated with a game in hand, which if they won, would, would leapfrog them over you know, three, three teams above. So there's, there's no way that will happen. So I guess the question is, and it will boil down to, there's, there's talks of um, either null and voiding the season, and on that basis, the angry parties will be the teams that are looking to get promoted. So your Leeds, your West Broms. Your Fulham. That can possibly, yeah. And, and we get, we're, we're probably delving this, well, def, yeah, possibly Fulham, depends on uh, how you look at yep. it. Um, but we, we may be delving into this a bit too much, given we might discuss it in the next podcast. But that's, that's the first option, null and void. Second option is that they aggravate points. Um, and I, I did see a table there that would lead to, if they aggravated points... Um, according to those points that are already won, Spurs would have finished ninth. And I believe the three teams that would have been relegated were Aston Villa, West Ham and Norwich. Um, so so that's, that's uh, number two. And number three is they play out the season. So I think it will go down, down one of those three routes. Mm. To be honest, what about a completely different scenario? What if they get the squads together, each squad picks two or four of the best uh, FIFA players and sorts out the season <laughs> on PlayStation. Esports. There, there is actually, there, there is actually a, um, a tournament, a pre- uh, some sort of, I, I didn't really read the details, so I don't have too much of it, but there's a Premier League tournament going on yeah. at the minute where one player has been nominated for yeah, each yeah. club to, to play. Yeah, I think uh, for United, it's yeah. been Rashford. So, no, I like who, it. Uh, Rashford, actually, has been that player. So okay. that could be interesting. Okay. I, don't, I don't know who it was for Spurs. I, I was hoping you were going down the line of when you said nominate two, three, four players. Was do you remember FIFA Street uh, oh, in the cage? Oh yeah, yeah. Um, and so we go down that road because it, obviously the the problem with restarting the the Premier League is that I think they've said they'll need about two hundred people on site Correct. at the stadium, uh, including you know broadcasters, paramedics, players, managers, all that. Whereas if we did FIFA Street, I think you'd probably get it down to ten. You'd have three or four players, the manager, and then maybe a couple of paramedics um, from, from either side. So, sorry, maybe you know, 10 per side, 20, 20 in total. Maybe it's the way forward. Hmm. That could be a way. Yeah. Well, well maybe, maybe we come on to this and we, we look at it a bit more um, next week because I think this will be a constantly evolving one, won't it? In a little more yeah. positive news, uh, the German League is looking to restart in May. Yeah, I saw that. They started training. Yeah, I think they? they have. And, uh, well, the cases haven't been as bad over here. So I think the way things are going, because they're lifting the lockdown as well, starting tomorrow. So okay. certain shops and stuff will open that are about 800 square meters or less. So, hmm. yeah. Okay. And those are pretty big shops there, yeah, they in are. fairness. Well, How are the uh, players going to adhere to social distancing? Well, they just have to keep passing and keep a distance. <laughs> so no, no tackles. tackles it becomes yeah, um, yeah no, no tackles. Get the ball away before it can. <laughs> no, I, th- I think it's, 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 surely. So this is where it gets it gets really complicated, isn't it? Because every single player needs to be tested right. before yeah. each game, and if one player tests positive at that point, the whole season then has to come to a halt because one player testing positive, say for Bayern Munich, means that the whole Bayern Munich squad will likely then have to go into isolation for fourteen Correct, days. Yeah. <laughs> 
I, I just, yeah, I, I think, and we'll, we'll chat about it next week, but it is um, an absolute minefield. Do you think then the fact with this testing and stuff like that, that might turn into a bit of a Spurs on the last day of the season food poisoning scenario <laughs> where there might be a sudden outbreak of coronavirus in a certain team that would render them unable to field their strongest players and thus lose the league? That's really interesting. So, so would I guess I guess this is your moral compass and all that, isn't it? And we, we spoke about it at the beginning with the with the sponsors. Um, but but I guess the same could be said of if you're on the final day and we we play all the matches on the final day of the season, don't we? At the same time, and if you're say Aston Villa, you're three points or four points or well no three points. So if you were, and you've got a better goal difference than the team sitting in. Uh, 17th place. So Aston Villa, 18th place, three points off of 17th. Uh, 17th place is also playing, but you've got a better goal difference. So what you need to do is win and hope that um, 17th place loses. What, what would, would, do you think there's a risk that Aston Villa come out and say, Jack's, Jack's got COVID-19, we've all got to go into self-isolation? And, and then all of a sudden your relegation doesn't happen or is, is delayed at least. It's a valid point. It's a valid point. Mm. Could this be, could this be the the new four five one? You know, <laughs> park the bus, put everyone behind the ball, and don't even get out to the pitch because Jack. I, I could. I, I could. This is this is the type of bullshittery that um, Jose Mourinho would do. hundred yep. uh, percent. If we oh, Spurs are fifth, and we could get that full spot, yeah, no, I, I could see it. <laughs> and we already we already know this history of Jose Mourinho um, bollocking his medical staff. So there's no reason to suggest he wouldn't try and do this again. <laughs> oh, it's a terrific goal. Wonderful, wonderful goal. Absolutely breathtaking. Ronaldinho, you just didn't see it coming. And in the blink of an eye, back of the net. So November 2005, you know, just to kind of set the scene, give me a context of what's happened in the world. Um, Harry Potter and the Goblet of Fire premiered. Angela Merkel become the first female chancellor of Germany. And um, Ronaldinho was named Ballon d'Or winner ahead of Frank Lampard and Steven Gerrard as well. So where we're at the table as well, it's currently uh, Barcelona and Osasuna fighting for top spot. Osasuna had uh, missed their chance to go top, actually, uh, by drawing against who? I don't remember and can't be bothered to Google. Um, (laughs) So we focused then on on the game at hand. So it's... um, it's Real Madrid at home against Barcelona. Um, Real Madrid admittedly fielding what seems to be a weakened team. Squad ravaged by in- injuries as well. Um, they've lost a few players as well that summer. Um, if we look at people like Michael Owen, uh, went to Newcastle 16 million. Figo went to Inter on a free. Solari to Inter on a free. And Walter Samuel as well went to Inter on a 16 million um, euro transfer. Seems like Inter really got the best best part of that deal. Um, if we move on to, uh, to Tom, kind of as, as someone who's watched the match, I'm sure, uh, kind of what were kind of feelings and insights. One, watching it, seeing the players, kind of was there any nostalgia involved? You remember where you were when this match happened, for example? Yeah, I was, I was trying to think back. So 2005, when I was 15 years old, so we were we were all still at school. The nice thing about so we went to a school that was a European school, so there were six different sections, including a Spanish section. 
And so um, I think whenever there was a, an El Clasico derby, we, we saw firsthand some of the um, emotions that were involved in that and some of the competition between the Real Madrid fans and the Barcelona fans. And so, so I, I can't remember was, where I was in, on, on this day in November 2005, but I'm sure I, I would have been in, enjoying the match. Um, I mean, the match itself, I, I did re-watch it, uh, thanks to, to Daz, who sent around the link for it. It's a couple of interesting observations. I won't come to my key point just yet, and I know we're going we're gonna to flag those up. But just, just a couple of, of, of bits. Uh, the first is Ronaldinho scores that, that third um, goal. And I think that the camera cuts to the Real Madrid ca- uh, crowd in the Bernabeu. And you just see a couple of Real Madrid fans just applauding. And I think that sums up the genius of Ronaldinho at that point. I mean, this was him in his prime. I think he was 25 years old. Um, and and for, for Real Madrid fans to be clapping his goals was, is, just, is just something out of the extraordinary. The, 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 second, the second part of this, and, and I did a, a little bit of research on this, you'd be, you'd be glad to know. The only bit of research I did for this podcast and uh, I looked at the ages of the, the front six of each team because, I, in my mind, Barcelona looks so much more fresh. And actually, they're, they're, the, the, front, the, the, age, the average age of the front six for each team, does anyone want to take a guess? So for, for Barcelona, you had Messi, Ronaldinho, Eto, uh, Xavi, Deco and uh, Edmilson with Iniesta on the bench and Iniesta came on. So does anyone want to um, take a guess for the average age, um, uh, the starting average age of the front six for Barcelona? I think I looked this up as well. I think it was around 22 or 21. 24. Okay, so average age for Barcelona, once you take Iniesta out, was 25 or just under 25. I think it was 24.8. But once you put Iniesta in there, 23... And then Real Madrid, I'll throw it back to you. Um, they had a front six of Ronaldo, Robinho, Zidane, Raul, Bex and Pablo Garcia. So what would you say their average age was? 28. I would say uh, close to... Th- On the money. Was it? Yeah, 28. 28. 28. And, and out of interest, does anyone know how old uh, Zidane 33. was at that point? I mean, yeah, he looked about 70. No, Deepak's on the money. 33. Um, and I, th- I think, yeah, and I think that just shows, doesn't it, that, that the difference, the youth, I, and I thought in the match, if you do watch it, that in that match, how much more energy yeah, Barcelona seemed to have. That was actually one of my points as well. So, yeah, that, that's, yeah. The um, thing is, even during, yeah. even during <laughs> the game, you, you see the runs um, the midfielders make for Barcelona, whereas yeah. for Real Madrid, you don't see Bex or Zidane making those darting runs into the box. It's... Like they pass the ball yeah. and then they just yeah. kind of stroll stroll around. Um, so. Yeah, well, that that was that point, wasn't it, where Bex tries to move down down to sort of central midfields, possibly playing a bit more yeah. defensive because his legs are, yeah, are starting he to go. Off as a de- uh, central defensive midfielder behind Zidane, in fact, and I don't think he had a very good game in that position, to be honest. Um, both of the, like two of yeah, the goals no, totally that uh, Barcelona scored in the break were. Actually, back and giving away with the ball. The first yeah. one, I think, uh, yeah. it was an intercept I, where it was a really nice ball, but it was intercepted by Barcelona and then turned into a counter. Whereas the second thing, second goal as well, it was the same thing where he tried to cross it, but it was headed back and then immediately led to Ronaldinho scoring again. 
Yeah, no, spot on. And I, th- I think the interesting thing here is we didn't know, obviously, in 2005 what we were watching, but all the attention was on Ron- Ronaldinho, and rightly so. But there was also an 18-year-old Messi, yeah. Messi there. That you know, 18. So, so that front three, if you think about it, Eto was 24, Ronaldinho was 25, and Messi was 18. Good. And they had Henrik Larsson on the bench. What a team! Yeah, because oh, Larsson obviously played for United, he didn't did, he? Yeah. Um, he came, yeah, we had him for three So, was months. that after this? He came, yeah, much, much, much later on. Okay. Okay. Yeah, this okay. was towards his end of his I was, career. Yeah, I was a big fan of Larson. So, so that, that's that's my mind thing, and I don't I don't know if you want us to go straight onto key moments now, uh, Daz, or, or whether you, you want to chip in. I mean, you know, to put it back to Deepak, do you think it's Stanek? Was it was the issue the tactics to be, or the actual quality of players? To be honest, this was I think Frank Reichard's third season in charge of Barca, and he had. Ronaldinho, Eto, Messi, Iniesta, Javi, Deco as well. And I think this was a season yeah. where they really brought that tiki-taka into, into light. This was the first time we actually saw Barcelona play that kind of football where it was one-touch passing, quick movement, um, quick countering. As soon as they got the ball, everything was, you know, uh, like you could see Messi. He would just, it wasn't like they weren't running down the wings. It was straight down through the middle. Every time Messi got the ball, he was attacking down the middle. And that was extremely yeah. dangerous. And I also thought that um, the chemistry between the midfielder of Real, it just wasn't there. The amount of times that Zidane, Ronaldo, Beckham, they just kept giving away the ball by literally close passing, one-touch passing. They just kept giving the ball over and over and over again. It was I, I just didn't think the chemistry was there between the midfield. And that was the main difference. Because the way Deco handled the midfield for Barca was ridiculous. Deco and Javi, they just bossed that midfield, the two of them. So, and I felt watching it as well that Real Madrid, kind of, it's just a long ball team. Correct. So, yeah. just be probably, So I put it to you then. You know, we've had in years gone by, you've had people like Sam Allardyce saying if his name was Sam Maladici, he'd be manager of Real Madrid. You put Sam Allardyce in that team, playing long balls up like they did in Bolton that same year. Do you think Sam Allardyce would have got a result in that game? So I, I, I think the issue will be with Sam Allardyce going across to, you know, and there's, there's a number of managers that you, you could shout and say, uh, Sean Dyche is another one going across to either Real Madrid or Barcelona. I, I think they probably would get a result. I don't think it'd be pretty. And I think the issue would be that they, he'd likely still lose his job even if he got results because Spanish fans enjoy, um, you know, class football. But I think, I think the other big, big problem would be if Sam Allardyce went across to Real Madrid. If you look at the personalities in that dressing room, there's no chance that Sam Allardyce would commandeer the respect um, of, of those players. The thing is, even for the long ball for this Real Madrid squad, yeah, they had Zidane, they had Bex who could pick out the pass. But going up front, they started off with a formation that was a 4-2-3-1. In order to play that long ball, yeah. you need at least another forward. You need maybe a 4-2-2 or even a 4-3-3, I would say. That way you have the wingers, the support on yeah. the side, whereas you have someone in the middle, a big, tall attacker who can head the ball onwards to Robinho making that run. But we didn't see much of that at all. Well, one thing, one thing I've just you know picked up on is how lucky must you have been to go to a match like this in two thousand and five, where you're seeing firsthand the likes yeah. of Messi, Ronaldinho, Eto, Xavi, 
Deco, Iniesta, Ronaldo, Robinho, Zidane, Raul, Bex. This that that's that's mental. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. You know when you reel them uh, off like that. Wow. And then obviously Julio <laughs> Batista coming on. Always nice to see him make a cameo. Um, I'll be honest as well. I had no idea Pablo Garcia played for Real Madrid. Um, when I first saw him, I said, "Who the hell is this guy?" Yeah, I was and, the same. Uh, Looking at his Wikipedia page, it was him and Thomas Gravison vying for that defensive midfielder spot that season. Gravison, so, uh, Gravison, a, do- a dark chapter in Real Madrid's yeah. history. So did, Gra- did Gravison go to Real Madrid after Everton, or was it Everton after Real Madrid? Everton uh, after yeah. Everton, he went uh, just for that season. So uh, yeah. yeah, and uh, it must be noted, you know, with Pablo Garcia, that uh, Luxembourg Luxembourg lost his job quite soon after this game. And uh, Pablo Garcia was loaned out to Celta Vigo, never to play in the Real Madrid shirt again. Well, well, uh, really. Gives you an idea of the kind of quality on, on show there. And I think, you know, we, we should probably point as well that uh, in this game, Zidane was coming back from an injury. Yeah. Ronaldo was clearly coming back from an injury as well because he's been anonymous he really in the was. whole game. Yeah. It was quite sad to see. Uh, Beckham was played out of, uh, right. out of position. And that was really, really present to see. Kind of, I remember watching him just look forlorn when Messi sprinted past him in the centre of midfield, and Beckham yeah. just keeps uh, just kind of jogging back, as it were, but probably right. going at full speed. And then Raúl came off injured <laughs> yeah. as well in the game. Yeah. Um, so you know, Real Madrid seemed like kind of a on a, a downward slope that season, anyway. But uh, seems to be really unlucky with injuries too. Um, I think kind of if you have a, a fully fit Ronaldo kind of up yeah, front for you. Makes a difference. Um and a fully fit Zidane, that makes all the difference too. And kind of it must be said as well, Jonathan Woodgate Goodness. was on the bench. So if uh, things have been more different, what what could have happened? God, Jonathan Woodgate at Real Madrid. That was when, you know, he, he that was was that the season where he he made his initial appearance and ended up getting was it two <laughs> yellow cards in the space of about fifteen minutes? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> oh wow! And then didn't he get a really bad injury after that, and was out for for quite a while? Um, he could have got an injury. I'm reading his Wikipedia page here. Signs a lot of fanfare. Thirteen point four million pounds from Leeds. Even in his Wikipedia, it? from Newcastle. Even oh, here, it says okay. a surprise to many in the football world. And uh, he managed. Does anyone want to guess how many how many appearances he had for Real Madrid? Three. I'll go with. I was going to say three as well. I'll go with two. Two. Okay, and bear in mind his official Real Madrid contract was from 2004 to 2007. <laughs> um, he had nine Goodness. appearances. Were they nine all starts or were they were they sub appearances as well? Uh, in there? A, mix. a mix. Okay, 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 interesting. God, um, so, so per, per minute, you know, a wage per minute must have been absolutely crazy for, for Woodgate. Um, although not as, not as crazy as uh, Jack Wilshire at West Ham at the minute. Because I think he's he's on thousands per minute Goodness. played. Do, do, do you want me to, to pitch in with what I thought was one of my key moments? Yeah, on, on yeah if we go to kind of the if we go to the key moments then of the game, we start with Tom. I, I think I, I think yeah, I know so I, I had Oh I don't know. Tom, if you, will. if you I, do the I, obvious one, my <laughs> fucking god. Right, there's no point in doing this podcast. No, no, no. I think I've gone I've gone left field Goodness. a little bit on this and we it might be a segment into another discussion. So um Robinho got uh, booked 
Um, it was 1-0 at that point. Uh, Barcelona 1-0 up. Eto had scored in 15 minute, 15th minute. And Robinho got booked for I diving inside the penalty area. Um, and and my, I guess my question was that if they had VAR, at, you know, and, and that was replayed, that match, like for like, was replayed now, whether VAR would have given that as a penalty. And if you watch it back... I, I think it's one of those ones that VAR this season possibly would have given a penalty three or four times out of ten because it's not consistent whatsoever. Um, but my big, my big question is there, and I did think Robinho was the star man from the Definitely. Real Madrid side. I thought possibly um, that that could have been a penalty, possibly scored and then changes the game altogether. I would tend to agree with you. So I would say uh, definitely penalty if VAR was there. Yes, there was contact. I think from the angles, yeah. it looks very different. Um, in the full YouTube video, I don't think it looks like a penalty, but in the summary, I mean, in the, what do you call it? The summary, uh, the short video, the highlights. Sorry, the highlights, the highlights, highlights yeah. Uh, the highlights, the different angle they show, it definitely looks like a penalty. There was definitely contact. Yeah. But having said that, okay, even if they do score 1-1, I don't think the outcome of the game changes. Um, I think on the day... Barca was just 10 times better than Real Madrid. Yeah, no, I'd, I'd agree with that. And I, th- I think it's one of those, isn't it? That the, the, the big thing is that, and, and this is with any big decision Correct. in a game, if, if the, that decision changes, does it change the, the outcome of the game? But I think you're spot yeah. on in saying that with, the, with Ronaldinho pl- playing the way he was, um, there was no chance that it, it would have been a different outcome. What if... Sorry, go ahead, yeah. Sorry, I just want to add kind of a fresh view on the Rubinho situation as well. Um, yeah, I think you're just both full of shit. He's absolutely not a penalty. Didn't touch him. And uh, if I was there, she'd have got a red card. <laughs> I, I mean, it's one of those, isn't it? And I don't think it'd be given every single time, but I do think it'd be given sometimes. And I think the fact that this was at the Bernabeu as well, that's, that's another element you add into it with VAR. And, you know, the crowd, does it, does it angst the crowd up that bit further? Does the referee feel the pressure? I don't, I don't know. I think, I think you, you see them give them. Can we also say a bit on the referee too? Uh, kind of, uh, did, did anyone notice whenever he was given a card, I thought he'd close his eyes and look down. <laughs> I didn't pick that up. No, what was he doing? Praying? Uh, um, if there was ever kind of 90 minutes of just one lone man in a stadium quietly shitting himself every decision, <laughs> it was that referee. Oh, I can't, I can't, well, in all fairness, I think with, with these El Clasico um, derbies, I presume that if you get one decision wrong in those, you'll probably get in a pig's head sent through your letterbox. Yep. Cue Lewis Figo. <laughs> <laughs> Indeed. When, what, when was that? When he got that? Two thousand three, two thousand four, something like that. It must have been. Must have been. He had just left Real Madrid this summer, so he was at Real Madrid for quite a while. He wasn't was, he? yeah, yeah, he was. Um, yeah. So a quick look at his Wikipedia page says he was at Barcelona from ninety five to two thousand. Wow. So you you imagine that pig's head would have been thrown on the first derby in two thousand. Yeah, quite possibly. Right from the off at the point where he'd, he'd joined in his first match or so. A quick bit of Lucas, Luis Figo uh, trivia, as it were. Who did he score more goals for? Barcelona or Real Madrid? Hmm. Um, so, sorry, how, how long did he play for, for, 
both. So he played five years for Barcelona and five oh. years for Real Madrid. Oh, blooming heck. I, I'd probably say Barcelona. I would. Okay, do, do you want to give a number? A number of goals scored? Yeah. I'm going to say low 20s. So we'll go 24. Okay, 24 keeper. I reckon he scored more for Real. I'm going slowly because I remember a goal he scored 50-50. against United in the Champions League, and it was quite a nice goal. So just for that, I would say around, yeah, uh, 25 to 30. Yeah. For Real Madrid. Deepak, you're right about Real Madrid, and he has got 38 goals. Oh, wow. Yeah, thir- 30 goals for Barcelona. Goodness. Oh, geez. Okay. Yeah. So we weren't, we weren't hugely well. Hopefully that just, you know, underlines that we've got some knowledge. Yeah, yeah, indeed. I mean, I got, I got le- t- too few goals and I got the wrong team. But other than that, <laughs> we're doing all right. <laughs> better, better prepare a little more next time, Tom. So, yeah, indeed. So, so, Daz, throw it over to you. Key moments. Give us yours. All right. So, key moments. Um, I picked up on when Eto scores his goal. Now, I think for context as well, Eto had joined the Real Madrid Academy at 15. Um, there's a story he gave an interview about where Real Madrid had flown him over to Madrid. No one met him at the airport. He would make his own way to the club as a 15-year-old alone. He felt unloved at Madrid. And uh, when they loaned him out to Mallorca, they essentially told him there's no place for him in Madrid and he'll never be a player there. So this is kind of his redemption game where, uh, as Tom, you mentioned there earlier on, the presidents were, were sitting high up in the stands, uh, Florentino Perez from Madrid and I forget the other one for uh, Barcelona. And after, after his goal, um, Eto kind of proceeds to celebrate in front of the fans and then you'll see him, he'll raise a fist up to the president as if to say, go fuck yourself. Um, <laughs> which I thought was a nice little delicious bit of uh, grudge holding there. And uh, apparently later that season when uh, Barcelona did go on to win La Liga, he uh, was quoted as saying in the press, uh, Real Madrid, you fuckers, bound down to Barcelona. Wow, so uh, a lot of hatred there. Always got time for it. Uh, yeah. Especially in the... In El Clasico, it helps that there's there's a little bit of a narrative going into the game, and that was certainly one of them, which uh, I thought was sweet poetic justice. Do you, do you think so? Question throwing it straight back to you: Do you think that happens in this day and age, in the sense that um, you know the whole Eto debacle and then basically shipping him out and saying you're not welcome? Do you think that happens in this day and age where a footballer is worth so much more money, um, and you you possibly don't want to cut your ties too soon? I think, you know, it depends as well on the type of personality the footballer is. I think we can all agree every footballer is driven. But in terms of holding a grudge and things like that, you know, you raised the example of uh, Salah or De Bruyne with Chelsea. They were essentially let go because they weren't good enough. And that's kind of yeah. come back now to bite Chelsea in the ass. But c- could you imagine Salah or De Bruyne kind of giving a fist up to Ivanovic? I mean, yeah. but, but, probably but then... not. Is is that because of the amount of sponsorship funding they're getting, and and possibly thinking actually, I'd I'd rather just you know yeah, do, do the know. talking on the pitch. <laughs> yeah, maybe it was different with Eto because he was quite a, essentially a young exactly, boy when yeah. he went to Madrid, and yeah. 
that seemed to have been his dream at the time, and he was basically told he wasn't good enough to so get out. So, um, you know, I, I think it really depends on the person. You would imagine as well, even though it was 2005, these players would be incredibly well paid. I was reading a report there that Gravison for that one season was on 85k a week. Wow, and this is in 2005. 2005. So in today's morning after the crash, that's about 30 pounds a week. <laughs> um, <laughs> so quite a lot of money all around. Uh, so you imagine, you know, it wouldn't be a financial thing for Eto, but more a pride thing. Yeah. No, that's that's an interesting key moment. I didn't actually pick up on it. Okay. I mean, I could have been making that up and you wouldn't, wouldn't know until after podcast. So. <laughs> indeed, indeed. Everyone at least that's listening to this can go back and rewatch the match and, and, and you know, spot it out. Yeah. Hear that, Leanne? <laughs> <laughs> For some reason, I don't think Leanne's going to spend her, um, her, her Sunday afternoon rewatching a, a classic Derby from 2005. <laughs> but we did. But yeah, we did. Indeed, indeed. Going on to Deepak, what's, uh, what, what, what are your key moments? Well, to be honest, yeah. my key moments, I kept uh, watching Real Madrid play and it was just really disappointing. And I could find so many faults with their system their players, it just wasn't there for me. Um, I think my key moment was Beck's performance. I think he really let them down in the role he played, be it out of position, but I think mm-hmm. it was probably one of his worst performances I've seen in a while, um, considering that big a stage. He just looked out of place. He looked yeah. like he didn't belong. There was a couple of moments where I think he even lost the ball in between his feet had to look around where the ball was. And then the next thing you know, Barca had the ball and we're attacking. It was uh, a bit comical to watch, to be honest. Um, I think that was a key moment for me, Beck's performance. I was just being a Man United fan. It was just really sad to see him play that kind of game where he was just completely out of sorts. But Bex was never the fastest player, was he? And then if you think, if you take on that he was was 30 in this match... But... (laughs) Did he did he adapt his game and I don't think so. The thing is, in, in his he didn't later even years, to his strengths, to be honest, like looking for passes, the long balls, the yeah. through balls, even he tried a couple, but I didn't see him push through. Where at United, he would still make those runs because I don't think it at that point he was he was what thirty something, thirty two, thirty thirty two. Uh, so he was thirty. Yeah, so he was, was still, thirty in that still, match. Yeah, I mean, in his prime, you could say, or his last year of his prime. So that for me was. But but if you if you normally you'd think if you gave Bex you know the the opportunity to play with the likes of Rubinho and Ronaldo where his free his exactly. free ball yeah yeah you'd think this is but but I guess Barcelona just controlled yeah. that, that midfield be, area yeah. and, and to be and honest dominated. like even playing deeper in midfield okay he's out of position defensively but he has the whole game in front of him. You look at De Bruyne the way he's yeah. adjusted for uh, Man City in recent years where he's just completely made that position his own and he still managed to get back and forth is amazing. Yeah. I mean, you know, this is going off on a tangent, but De Bruyne for me is probably up there as the best player in the world. In Um, his position, yeah. I I just think... Ridiculous. Yeah. Oh, well, he's the best player in his position in the world. I think you could possibly argue in in any starting 11, he'd be maybe what the... Yeah, he's well easily walks in and maybe what the third, fourth te- yeah, uh, name definitely. on the team sheet, um, and and as we go on, so say next season, as Messi and Ronaldo, you know, albeit they're doing amazing things, but as they get older, 
I'd say De Bruyne is is becoming more and more that that best Mateo, player yeah, in, in football. Yeah, yeah, hundred percent. I think Deepak, you hit the nail on the head there. Bex, he's out of position, right? He's he's clearly struggling in the game. I don't know if he's got any injuries or anything like that. Mm-hmm. He's in his thirties. You could argue as well, you know, less than eighteen months later, yeah. he's on his way to LA. So his mind could be kind of think about the next stage. But is there a case he, he went to he sorry sorry to come in there so he went to LA when he was what 31 and a half 32 something like that wasn't it 33 34 okay okay so he he went uh, fairly young for you know if it is 33 he yeah. went fairly young for you know for 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 him I would have thought yeah and these kind of games in the Clasico like kind of put the question to you both is Beckham is he right for an El Clasico game you know, it's fast paced. You're against Barcelona. We we're all seeing in the match. Messi's absolutely yeah. ripping it up like an engine running through. Ronaldinho's ripping it up like an engine going through. There's so much pace charging at that midfield, regardless where you play Bex in the center or on the right wing or right midfield or anything like that. Do you reckon he's just too slow for it? And he's more suited against teams who play, for example, a high line, maybe slower players, that he can actually do that quarterback pass where he's as we've seen, you know, if you look on YouTube highlights or whatever, where he's curling in the ball from a ridiculous angle and Ronaldo or someone else is getting on the end of it. But yeah. kind of playing against a ticky-tacky team with pace, it's, he's just not good enough in, in that kind of game. You see, I, I, think, I think Bex was good enough to, to play in any game. You know, I think possibly maybe this, this game came one or two years too late for him. He might have had a nagging injury as well. I think the other thing that's key here for Bex is that if you do play him in a game like this at this point, you need the, the two other players that are around him to be those type of players that are going to run their socks off. And I don't think Real Madrid had that. I think in having Zidane that's 33, Pablo Garcia that I don't think was actually good enough, and Bex at 30, you just, you, you're not giving enough um, energy into that area. Yeah, I would have to agree with Thomas there, to be honest. Um... I mean, Bex has played at the top level for United as well for many, many years. And he's played against all the big teams you can think of as well. Um, I think he was definitely good enough to play that game, but I think he needed to adapt his game more. He needs to play more to his strengths rather than let Barcelona run run the midfield. But yeah, he did need... I, I reckon he did need yeah. more support. Um, but the thing is, the way Real Madrid played, it was Zidane who was kind of carrying the ball up. Beckham would pick up the ball from the defender and just kind of hand it over to Zidane. Whereas Zidane would glide forward. There was no urgency in Zidane. There was no, there's no sprint button in Zidane, to be honest. It was just at a steady pace. So I think that made a difference as well. There was no yeah. urgency to the attack. Everything was very calm, collective. So Barca had more than enough time to put pressure and get the ball back. I mean, if you're, playing, if you're playing these two teams on FIFA, Barcelona are winning every single 50-50 yeah, ball, aren't definitely. they? Fair play. Fair play. I only raise it because uh, you know, Bex against Barcelona. He's played 11 games. He's only won three. And he's had two assists. <laughs> so, wow. Wow, but, wow, wow. Yeah. You no, know, when when you put it like that. They're just stats. They're just stats. <laughs> <laughs> we, we don't like stats on this podcast anyway. <laughs> no. Right. Any, any, any other more feelings about the game? Anything like that? Nothing for me. I think we've covered it in quite some Best detail. player for Barca. Yeah. Ooh. Oh. 
for me, for me, it's it's Ronaldinho. I keep re- and I'm, I'm surprised yeah. none of us picked that key. Mo- that you know, as one of our key moments, is his two goals. I think if you if you watch and rewatch and rewatch those two goals, if you're a young lad now wanting to to you know become a striker or a winger, the way he plays and, and finishes those mm-hmm. two those two chances is is you know really quite something. Definitely, yeah, I would agree there. Yeah, Dara. Yeah, and obviously, obviously, yeah. I mean, has to be Ronaldinho that week as well. He won the Ballon d'Or, kind of cementing himself as the best player in the world that year. Um, you know, I think shout out as well yeah, to Eto. I yeah. thought he was really good. His running off the ball as well was really. You forget how much of it, like athletic Correct. player he was. Kind of seeing him in recent years playing for Chelsea and stuff like that. Kind of he was a shadow of what what he once was. But kind of when he was on his A game. Yeah, he seemed to be one of the best strikers in the world. Also, shout out to Oli Gare for being one of the worst <laughs> players on the pitch. Um, my God, in a Barcelona team filled with that much quality, that guy could not pass or run uh-huh. or dribble to save his life. It starts, it starts you know, giving you thoughts of why didn't I make it when you watch players like that. Yeah, and then you know we think back to Portugal in 2004 in that school. Then it all comes crashing down. <laughs> yeah, indeed. Yeah. And Deepak, for you. Who would you say was uh, the best? I would best have to agree with Ronaldinho as well, but to be honest, um, I think I would have to give Deco a big shout out. I think he really bossed that midfield. Um, yeah, he kept Iniesta off. I mean, off the squad, or at least off the starting lineup. Um, yeah, I think he did really, really well. To be honest, Deco and Javi, that partnership was yeah. something to watch because there was one point I think uh, they picked up the ball in their defensive half, very, very deep, and. I'm not sure if it was Deco or Javi. They look alike, um, but there was they did one of them did this turn to control the ball, and there were three Madrid players around him where he just did like a little turn and completely freed up the space. It was insane. It was beautiful. Yeah. 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 No, that's that's a good point. These are the same players that threw Marino under the bus, and they will do exactly the same to Oli. Leopards don't change their spots. There's too many bluffers at this club. Before we end, guys, um, um, Thomas, your favorite, your personally for you, what is your um, favorite playing football moment in your career, if we could uh, put it that way? The highlights of your career, <laughs> what would it be? Jeez, I love that you're making out as if I've had a career. We've all had massive careers in football. For those listening, yeah, it basically came down to um, to, to uh, games in in yeah. um, at school in front of you know, albeit fairly big crowds, but they were basically thirteen-year-old <laughs> girls and boys all shouting and screaming. Um, I think for me, we we in our final two years at school, we did a, a tournament, which was uh, for only the final two years of um, the, yeah. the, those year groups, and it was um, yeah, section between sections, so. There were six sections, yeah, and and we were we were the English section, um, and I scored a goal. I think it was against the Greeks, from about the halfway line, something like that. I mean, if I'm honest, I don't know how it went in. I think the goalkeeper was shit, um, but that that's probably my highlight. I just remember reeling away and thinking I was some sort of uh, Wayne Rooney. Obviously, I didn't skid along the turf because yeah, it was a concrete pitch, um, but yeah, I, I was close to yeah, I was close to whipping off my top and. And uh, you know, doing the whole celebration thing, but that's probably my pinnacle. Yeah. <laughs> Unfortunately, you don't have Rooney's body 
he did have his hairline. <laughs> oh, goodness. oh the, the 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 irony the irony in that statement coming <laughs> from you is uh... <laughs> Taz, what would you say is your oh, highlight of before, your before... Um, injury played career? Yeah. Well, obviously, I touched on it earlier on in the podcast, if I'm honest with you. Uh, but maybe, maybe more uh, something closer to home. Um, I, I would probably say in school too. Um, kind of in, in the game, Tom mentioned as well. I must have been injured for that because I, I don't remember <laughs> that. Uh, but I'm sure, and I, I'm not making it up. I think it was the time, probably in the Springfest final, and I scored a hat trick <laughs> and won it for the team. Um, <laughs> that was maybe my favorite memory. Yeah. Um, just but, lifting the cup, to be honest, just with my kind of fellow players. They might have been chanting on my name. I'm not sure. Um, it was all a bit blurry at the time. Um, but yeah, it was generally that. What about you, Deepak? Now, hold on. Just just on that point, but for, for those listening, obviously, the closest Daz got to lifting that cup on was spring cleaning morning, it. <laughs> um, was, was in the morning when he was having, yeah, he was, he was having a cup of tea. <laughs> oh, goodness. Sorry, oh, Deepak, you So many. Winner of the Springfest, what was it, the final year? Mm. That was a good game. I think, to be honest, my highlights would probably be Saturday football. Um, we've had plenty, plenty okay, good yeah. games there. I think one of my favorite goals was probably a header, actually. Um, it was a long ball, and I headed it where it bounced and it spun right into the corner, completely unreachable from the goalkeeper. It was uh, quite a goal. Yeah, I think it was one of my first headers I've scored as well. I, mean, to, to I think one of, my first, one of my first assists as well, too. <laughs> so it was a special one for me, too. To, to, to put this into context, Saturday football was a group of mates playing football every Saturday. It was organised by our, um, our religious teacher, wasn't it? Um, I mean, that sounds slightly like religious, the football. In, in, uh, post, post, yeah. <laughs> Um, well, indeed, indeed, indeed. Um, but yeah, it was it was maybe not on the uh, biggest stage. Pitch was quite big, man. Let's not play down. <laughs> no, this is true. This is true. Yeah, before before we go, Dad, I was I was just going to one announce um, next next podcast yep, match do. if that's Let's all right. Um, and then and then alongside that, I was also just going to chuck out a, a few um, possible talking points. Um, you guys can take your pick. We don't need to, to say which one now, but you guys can take your pick over the course of the next week. And then we'll, we'll surprise the listeners next week. So some of the talking points, um, should football introduce a salary cap? And that's particularly in light of talk of clubs going out of business because of COVID-19. Uh, one we've touched upon in this podcast, but go into a bit more detail, the ways the Premier League could finish due to COVID-19. Um, Another one, Newcastle United and their new owners, what that means for, for the Premier League. Um, then I've got a couple of transfer-related ones. So who would you Ooh, sign like for your club? Uh, what we think is the most nailed, yeah, what we think is the most nailed-in transfer um, for this upcoming transfer window. And what do we think is a total, you know, curveball in terms of a transfer for this coming transfer window? And then a couple of others. 2021 um, season predictions at the point where we, you know, that'll be later on. And then all things fancy football later on. Um, but without further ado, big match that we're going to be discussing is a lot closer to, to, to current day than 2005 El Clasico. It is Spurs versus Ajax last season, second leg of the Champions League right. semi-final. Oof. Good game. Good game. So, yeah, watch this space. Looking forward to it. Perfect, perfect. Um, 
without further ado, is that us then, boys? Yeah, have a good one. I think, I think that's us. So if you uh, just want to say thanks, thanks. We appreciate uh, thanks all our everyone. listeners, all uh, our followers. And we apologize to all the yep. people we've shot yeah. on today. Cheers, Leanne. <laughs> yeah, and, and we were only joking. If yeah. it is liable, we apologize. Like that. We were only kidding, messing about. <laughs> all, right, guys. all right, cheers, boys. All right, bye. <laughs> for, for those Thanks, that don't Dara. know, Daz and me are white. <laughs>